Welcome to Getting Through It, where we're here to help you get through it. I'm John Buery, and as always, I'm with the sometimes risk-averse Dr. Lucy Jones. We ask that you consider supporting this podcast and my nonprofit's work to bring science and credible information to you and those who need it. Please join us as a sponsor on Patreon at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and search for my name, Dr. Lucy Jones. And now let's get to it. In the U.S., We've been living with this pandemic for more than eight months now. Mid-March seems like a lifetime ago. In April, California had about 1,000 cases per day of COVID-19. And we were in lockdown. This week, we had over 10,000 cases per day in the state. And as of the time of this recording, we're not on lockdown. And yet the risk doesn't seem as bad. Lucy, take us back and explain how did we get here? You mean, why do we feel safer now when the daily number of cases is 10 times what it used to be? No, I mean, how did we put all these protocols in place back in March, April, May, and yet the number of cases has soared now here in October and November? Well, you really could say it's the same thing. We felt we were safer because we got to understand it more and we'd taken these different precautions. And so we took more risks and that led to the increase. And the real issue here is that what we feel is not the same thing as what the risk objectively is. You know, the psychologists have come to understand that human beings have two parallel systems for understanding risk. We evolved an experiential system. You know, we talk about following our gut, and that's often a really pretty good way of getting through a lot of situations. Faced with an immediate risk, you don't want to take time to analyze it. We depend on our feeling that something is good or bad. Psychologists call it affect something on sort of on the edge of our emotions that tells you whether something's good or not. This affective experiential approach is a pretty good system in situations for which you have experience. It's a rapid processing system that draws on your experiences in a subconscious way. You don't have to take the time to analyze whether you should stay under the branch of a tree that is making noises as though it would break. You just move and get out when you hear the sounds. But if you don't have relevant experience, listening to your gut can be pretty problematic. So we have also developed an analytical system. We calculate risk factors, you know, the way that engineers and scientists and economists go through a rational analysis. But this takes time and work and really conscious thought. As we look at the COVID-19 pandemic, though, we don't have to rely on our gut. We have the data. I've heard it from you. I've heard it from other experts giving us insights. In fact, we know exactly what needs to be done to control the risk, which includes everything we've done so far and up through the administration of the vaccine. The risk of catching COVID-19 is directly proportional to those who have it. That's what we know about this virus. So does that mean since we have 10 times as many people getting it, the risk of catching it is 10 times greater? That's right. The risk of catching it in a given situation is really up by a factor of 10 compared to what we had back in April. On a rational analytical system, you'd go, oh, we need to be taking way more precautions. But it doesn't feel that way. And so we really aren't listening to the experts. We are responding to what our gut is telling us. And you know, when when the experts saying, don't have Thanksgiving, we don't want to believe them. And we have all this whole 
affective approach to let us ignore them. Think about another risk situation, say a teenager deciding whether or not he's going to start smoking. He's not evaluating long-term risks against short-term benefits. This is not a rational approach. He's experiencing the pleasure of being with friends and the positive affect of being part of the group. And he goes ahead and does it for those emotional reasons. And having Thanksgiving is sort of feeling the same way. I don't want to give that up. I need to believe it's okay. And that's what we're often seeing. Short-term benefits of addressing our need to be social and live our life taking precedence over the increasingly known long-term risk of contracting COVID-19. I mean, I've heard people say staying at home is causing more damage to individuals and families than the virus itself. Right. And here's where this affective system really gets in conflict with the analytical approach. Because on an analytical side, you often see that things with greater benefit also have a greater risk. Think of talking to your financial advisor. You know, are you going to invest in those risky stocks that have the potential for greater growth? And that's true of most situations. And there's a a benefit to being with the family for Thanksgiving, all of that social interaction, and it comes with a higher risk on the analytical side. The interesting part is that when they we look at how people manage the affective aspect, we see that when something is perceived as having a greater benefit we turn that into a lower risk. You know, even experts have done this when they they do psychological tests on people like toxicologists. What is the risk of a very small amount of some potentially damaging chemical? If they've been given information that says this chemical provides this big significant benefit, they say it is less risky. So our emotions make us think that the Things that are good for us in one side have to be low risk in everything. When the analysis tells us that's not the case. When you look at what's going on now compared to what's going on in April, the experts told us we've got to reduce the social interaction. That's going to make us safer. And we did it. And we've done it for months. And we've started to see how damaging it is to us emotionally to be this isolated. So we now see a much greater benefit to social interaction because we've had to give it up. And then the affective thing comes in here and says, if there's a big benefit to us, it must not be that risky. So we have these strong emotional pull on us to think that getting together with family is going to be safer than it really is. Yeah, you just look outside, watch the news, go on social media, and I'm sure you'll find someone who is reacting to the virus that makes you believe that the risk has gone down. But it's the same as it always was. In fact, we know that the risk of catching it has increased. Right. The the risk of catching it has definitely increased because so many more people have it. The chance of dying from it, if you catch it, has gone down because we've developed better treatments. Unfortunately, though, we've also discovered there are some really awful long-term problems and that just not dying isn't saying everything's okay. And there are a lot of awful things about this virus that should tell us we don't want to get it, which takes us back to our affective system and the way it doesn't align with the analytical system. We are more afraid of things we don't understand. Risk perception in the affective system is strongly controlled by how much we dread that risk. But dreadedness is not just how bad it could be. 
but also by how uncertain it is. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about how we all hate uncertainty. This plays out in risk perception as well. A certain outcome, one that we know is going to happen, has less emotional weight, and it makes us feel that it isn't as likely as the one that's uncertain. So with our emotional reaction, the affect that we have towards risks, the perception and how we deal with uncertainty and dreadedness, Lucy, how should people approach this latest surge and those that might be coming in the next few months? I wanna say, don't give up now. We only have to hold out for some smaller period of time, the vaccine's around the corner. So how do we hold out? First, avoid black and white thinking. Don't go, is this safe or not safe? Everything we do is about reducing the risk or increasing the risk. The masks and the social distancing and staying outside, those all reduce our risk. But as long as more people have it, which is true right now, then we're reducing the risk from a higher level. You know, when the second surge in the summer was gotten under more control, we started opening up our protocols. We started thinking we could be doing more interaction. But now that the rate has gone back up and therefore our risk has gone back up, we really haven't retightened those protocols. And think about what you were doing in April. That's probably what you should be doing at least as much now because there's just a lot more COVID out there. And it may be not so likely to kill you, but it sure can destroy your life for a long time to come. This isn't going to go on forever. I think that's the other thing. Let's remember that there is an end in sight now, and now's not the time to give up. It's true. There is light at the end of the tunnel. We do know that a vaccine is around the corner. And as this pandemic goes on, we'll continue to revisit this topic to help you get through it. So we'll have to do this again. So until next time, I'm John Bwery with Dr. Lucy Jones and you, Getting Through It. Getting Through It is a production of the Dr. Lucy Jones Center for Science and Society. Visit us online to get past shows and become a sponsor at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com and search Dr. Lucy Jones. Our music is performed by Josh Lee and this closing music is written by our own Dr. Lucy Jones.